Welcome to Licensed Psychologist, Now What? A podcast about the journey psychologists and psychotherapists go through as they reclaim their intuition and unleash their healing gifts while maneuvering getting licensed, life, and making a living. And although this podcast host and many of the guests are mental health professionals, the information provided is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professionals, or for supervision and or consultation purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Licensed Psychologist Now What? This is your host, Juliana Garcia, and today I have the honor and privilege to introduce to you Anjali Shurin. Did I say it correctly? You did. You okay, did. cool. Yeah. And Anjali, I met her via Instagram, just like many other psychotherapists. And it's something that I really enjoy. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York. And I met her via Instagram and we've been like communicating back and forth, which I feel like sometimes even for therapists that are doing their things on their own being connected with other therapists that are doing prior practice via social media has been for me like a fresh, oh my goodness, how do you say the fresh breath of air? And yes, so I'm so happy that I'm able to connect with psychotherapists across the US and recently also across the world. So thank you so much, Anjali, for showing up and wanting to be here in this show and sharing a little bit about your story. So I wanted to welcome you. Thank you, Dr. Lidiana. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here. And likewise, it's such a pleasure to like see your post on Instagram. And just like you, I mean, to connect with a world of therapists and healers who are starting to do different things, you know, and to grow and learn from that, because it is rare. And it is such a solitary practice, right? Majority yeah. of the time spent in our rooms with our clients. And so, <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. fun and necessary, I think, to connect in these ways. And thank you, social media, problematic as it is for creating an avenue for that kind of connection that would probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. So glad to be I, here. I know it would have taken like going to maybe a conference in <laughs> East Coast for you to come to a conference around here and still that doesn't provide that much of that space. That's right. So yeah, yeah. And I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, actually. Oh my goodness, San Francisco. Gosh, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, California. Yeah, California. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Gosh, what do I want to share about the practice? So currently, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice in the San Francisco Bay Area, and my specialty is individual therapy and group therapy, and has been for over a decade plus. And then I'm also an author of Joyous Resilience, which is a self-help and psychology book that basically takes all the learnings from my individual and group therapy work with clients over the past two decades and talks about what it takes to be joyously resilient which seems like an absolute oxymoron during this time of all the things that are happening pandemic-wise globally, and then all of the systemic injustices that are right up front as they should be in our faces here in the U.S. And it really speaks to, yeah, how do we stay joyously resilient in times like these? And especially if we come from various different marginalized groups in the world. And that that journey is an individual therapeutic journey, but it's also very much leveraging our power to shift systems in any way possible. So that's some of the gamut of what I'm up to right now. Yeah. When I saw your book, I was like, I need to buy it because it has the world resilience. And my other podcast is the Beyond Resilience Life, 
And I'm very much about it. And what I love was the joyous part because recently I've been really focusing on after processing trauma and all those things, what is next? Because that's not the end goal. The end goal is how the joy has been taken away by all this trauma, pleasure, fun, all those things have been taken away and have been put on the back burner because to survive, you, you know, you get so focused in the, in like that hyper awareness here and now, or well, it's not necessarily here and now, but you know, like very focused on survival that all those extra things are extra and we're not paying attention. And it's really hurts me to see when people are able to process their traumas and all that, and maybe they're not getting triggered, but they're still not exploring the importance of joy, mm-hmm. pleasure, fun. So when I saw that title, I was like, this title in itself is genius. And I loved it. And also the the front page and the colors, it was very much into that aspect of joy, which I'm recently very much into it. So thank you for bringing that book into our world and for offering your knowledge and talking about your book. How was that for you? How was that writing a book? Because that's not a class. As far as I know, I did not take a class on how to write a book in school. <laughs> Among many other important things that there right. are not classes on in therapy yes. school. Yeah, I want to just back up for a second because I think it was so beautiful what you said about like joyous resilience and why it matters and how in the therapeutic journey, often that's a step that isn't covered or isn't included. I name that because when people have asked me about this, I've actually said literally what you have said. Like the reason why it came into joyous resilience was in my own therapy journey, I found that I had kind of worked through a bunch of things. And yes, I was, you know, more resilient in terms of I knew my boundaries, I knew how to speak up. Um, I was feeling much more calmer in my body and mind. But it was true that nobody had asked me or thought about with me, like, well, what brings you alive? Which for me, joyous resilience means really an aliveness. What brings you alive? And what brings back beauty, pleasure, creativity, fun, play, silliness, like all of these things that are signs of health, how does that come back? And that perhaps sometimes, and it did, sometimes it comes back because our minds are calm and we've done our healing journey and traumas have been processed. But a lot of times, actually, it's a skill that has to be cultivated, especially if it got cut off really young because it was dangerous to express it or because it wasn't modeled around. So... I just wanted to just share that because when you said it, I'm like, yeah, that really matters. Joyous resilience matters and having it be a part of a therapeutic journey. And I would say not just as a goal, like, you know, once you've healed all the trauma, whenever that happens, then you will, but actually more as like from from the get-go to be asked, you're here because you probably want to feel more alive, even if you haven't said it that way. Even if what you've said is I'm feeling so depressed and I don't really know, I'm so anxious. But at the On the other side of that is I want to feel alive and at ease in my body and able to express whatever it is that's deeply inside of me. And that is joy. And that does. Mm. This is so important. And I'm even thinking my school and my preparation, my supervisors and all that did not even talked about any of this. Mm. We talk about processing childhood trauma or, you know, based on whatever model we want to use, changes, thoughts explore narrative all these things exposure therapy but we don't necessarily like I did not take like a class on how to how to help you feel more alive and how to help others feel more alive and that's part of the human experience that even as psychotherapists we're not even learning 
Yeah, or being reminded, right, that, like, what is innate to us, I also want to say, like, as if, because that feels like also a bit of part of that Western model of, like, you will have to take a class on. Right, right. Enjoy, right, which is like, yeah, sure. I mean, I think learning in all forms, wonderful. But also just the pivot to tell me about, right, in your life or in your culture or in your history or around you, what did spark? Well, first of all, how do you even know what joy feels like in your body? Right? And we do know whether it's that smile on your face or the warmth in your heart or that little delight. Like, how do you begin to actually understand and feel your sensation, what joy is to you, what it feels like, and then what elicits it that may already be there, that it isn't something that has to be given. And then, yes, a whole buffet of starting to come back to. Oftentimes, I think it's a coming back to, though sometimes it might be a really just a opening to something completely new. But I think for a lot of us, right, like somewhere in there, there can be, even in grievous trauma histories, right, when we ask trauma survivors, like, well, what helped? Like, what, what, how did you survive this? And oftentimes the things they point to are the things that also contain aliveness, like nature or a pet, right, or that one friendship or books or fantasy or I drew or the music that I listened to to get away from my parents and I just like dance in my room and I listen to music and I sang, right? These are all very healthy ways of connecting with aliveness and in the end can weave you back into joy so but yes like you know just like having that as a framework really to go we're here to bring back aliveness and joy and that it's necessary and that it's not a luxury or some afterthought it is why we're alive it's why babies are here it is why you know like that is joy it's just pure aliveness and then it can be directed towards doing really wonderful things in the world by simply being you, you know. So important. Because I'm even thinking you mentioned it's not not to put it to the side like an extra thing, but even our society, how it's built, it's built in that way. You work hard to then play hard. <laughs> I, hate, I hate that phrase, but that's how it's embedded with, you know, many other systems of oppression that are participating in it. But, but yeah, that cultural idea of like, once you're no longer a child, then you're not necessarily like you have to, even as a child, you have to earn the right to have fun yeah. and to feel alive. So how was that for you? Because it sounds like it's also like you share that in terms of, well, you're in the US and I don't know about your, you know, story in terms of, of your family and all that. But how do you like grasp the importance of that? How was that moment for you that you're like, oh, wait, we're missing this? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And I will, I will answer the question about the author as well. I know we kind of went <laughs> yeah. into some really delicious and fun tangents. So, well, one, I forgot to say, so I am a um, I'm Pakistani American licensed marriage and family therapist, and I grew up in Pakistan, you know, and I came over when I was 18 and my family still lives there. So I kind of straddle that as well. And I bring that into my practice, what it is to be of both worlds and, you know, what it is to really also be kind of like here and have your family somewhere else, like when your heart is in two different places. And I work a lot with migrants and immigrants. So I think the nice thing about growing up in Pakistan, and of course, it just also depends upon like, I think I think some of, some of this could be across class levels, but of course, class does play some factor in this. Like how much access do you have to leisure? But I think as a culture, generally, though again, with class added, I think there is more permission for leisure the way I grew up and there is more emphasis on like time with family or time to be 
And sometimes mm-hmm. I would also joke that, like, I mean, the thing is, there's not that much to do, especially, again, if you're born into female body in Pakistan. So it's not as if there are, like, so many classes and so much, you know, that you're going to go do and spend your time. So we did get to be home as children. We did get to be with our family or just with our siblings and not have a bunch mm-hmm. of things that we were going to, you know, like, Um, dance and this and that I mean it was there and I think that's very important but I do think it was useful that for a lot of my life I got to have extended periods of like just being being at home and reading playing outside on the street sitting in the garden and my family and my sisters Mm -hmm. and like learning how to be Mm -hmm. and there was nothing not worthy about that that actually that was like it was considered worthwhile and and it was part of like why you're here and so I think that really went deep, like deep, deep inside of me. And I, I have noticed that in this culture. I noticed that with my friends in this culture, like how much more permission I have to like, you know, sit and have my cup of chai each day, which I do after work and I have my biscuits and I have my chai and like, and I, I'm so grateful to not actually feel any guilt. I'm mean, really, really grateful to have that, like, and, and understanding how rare that is and how sad that is that we cannot be one exquisite gift of a life which I don't know if will come again I want to look at the trees outside I want to like listen to the rain falling and some of that comes from in Pakistan right like again lack of so many things to do the weather changing is an event oh the weather's changing let's get in the car and go get a chai and some pakoras and like listen to music and be with this and that's family time that's being time that's pleasure to me, it was also poetic time and creative time and dreaming time and like a way of feeling good in my body and knowing that that was not far away, right? Again, of course, being mindful of trauma, being families, all kinds of things that will make that an uneasy time. And I have my share of that too. But there's still this thread of wellness going through that goes somewhere in there. One can feel good in one's body inside of the simple things. And that's deeply reassuring and healthy and joyous. And I think that memory, that body memory and uh, tactile, you know, stayed with me through my journey of healing. And that was a part of my work with clients. That was a part of, I think, what became a part of the the book. And I want to say, we're talking about the book, but I just, I just want to see if there's anything you wanted to share. I, no, I'm just here like thinking how this American culture is built to promote this connection because mm-hmm. when you were talking I was even remembering moments in Puerto Rico when because I grew up in us in the mountainside and and oh, my no. parents were not taking me to like dance class was Saturday but not through the week I would just get home and yes I would sit yeah. down and see the lightnings because I love seeing the lightning yeah. and stuff like that and that for me was an event yeah. but over here I mean when I moved here also I, I grew up in Puerto Rico I moved here for my internship it was like, you have to keep going. You have to sit down and, yeah, you can watch TV some, you know, at night, like right before going to bed. There wasn't that much on TV either, I have to say. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, no. But, yeah, this culture is made to disconnect. And then you, you want to connect back to nature, but you feel like you have to have all these things and we keep buying more things to connect or let's buy candles and I'm also talking to myself let's buy essential oils let's buy this to kind of like just sit down outside and just be yeah exactly exactly and I mean I have to say and I feel it I, my, my heart also goes out to so many of us in urban areas where like it's not easy 
You know, I mean, again, how are cities designed? Do you have access to a park? Do you, we look out your window, do you see a tree? Or like, or not, like why it takes so much work, right? How much of your time is spent commuting because you cannot afford to live right. in the city where you're giving all of your time and your energy. And so looking becomes hard. And I mean, I think even though we're inside of these systems, when you're sitting with a healer or therapist, again, another access point, if you have that grace, or if you listen to this podcast, what I want to say is like, to remember again, even just to ask yourself, like, what would bring a little bit more ease right now? What would bring a little bit more calm? And even if it is that when you're on that commute and you look out and you see the sunset, colors change and you recognize it as a moment that has value. I think that's the other piece, right? Like when you saw the lightning, you probably didn't think of it. I mean, I didn't think of it as a child. It's like, this has value. I just knew that it moved me. Like I knew but I also knew because my the adults around me were looking at it and going, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so to find the pleasure in the moments and to look for it and to recognize it as that. And then if you have your kids in the car and you're taking them around, then maybe you point it out to them or you put on the music in the car and you sing together. Like, how do we take this back mm-hmm. in these small ways, even as we think about whatever power we have to make maybe bigger changes to shift what the culture is saying? And also mm-hmm. what like capitalism is saying, right? The system is asking us to value versus what we value. Mm-hmm. It's a very long and interesting big discussion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's so important. And I wonder how was it for you when you moved then here? Was it like a little of a cultural shock of people like, you know, the go, go, go and not pausing? And did you end up also going through that process yourself? Yeah. Um, think. I mean, you know, it is funny, like how much like nature nurture, right? Like I do think that there was a part of me that did buck it quite a bit because I just, I mean, I just was coming from a different base, you know? And like I said, again, some of that thing that like, because it had been permission so much, and I think there was some deep knowing of like, it's okay to pause and rest. It, It didn't as much. It could have. I also, because of that, I think, I mean, I chose a program or a college campus that was quieter and um, I chose somehow intuitively, you know, classes that were smaller. And so I think some choices I made helped that. But of course, right alongside it was all the stuff around, you know, competitiveness and perfectionism and what grades are you getting and like how well are you doing? So there's, you know, there's another way that can insidiously come in around what are you achieving, which could have turned into more and more and more. In my case, I think what it turned into and what I had to heal was like a decade plus of like very useful training and workshops in my own work, which was, it was very useful and it definitely set me up. But at the end of that decade, I remember like me waking up with the joyous resilience was like, oh my gosh, like what else is there? Like I, I don't want to go to another workshop anymore. Like I want to take this stuff and like build a life where now it's in my life, right? That I'm feeling alive and joyous. I'm not having to go to a workshop in order to feel aliveness or joy or connection. And I think that was a really good pivot. That was back to like, what brings me alive here and now? Also, what brings me alive beyond my career? Very obvious question. But I think I just have not had time to ask that because I really was in personal therapeutic journey and I'm going to be a therapist and I'm going to do my practice. And as you know, it takes a long time and yes. all of these things. And then it was just like, hang on, who, what? I was trying to feel stale, even though I had all of this great work I'd done. And, and it was from that that I had to ask again, like, well, what, what makes me alive? And it took me back again to like, 
when I was a child and being like, oh yeah, I used to like to write poems or oh, I, I like to dance and I'm not taking a dance class. I didn't take a dance class in college or I took one because I was afraid that it would affect my GPA. You know what I mean? That like I like like that, the, the, the sadness of that, that like I did get cut off from joy out of the fear of that. Who are you? What are your grades? You know, what are you going to achieve? And sure, I got the GPA, but nobody talked to me about number one. Why in the world is this about GPA? First of all, right. Why, what is it shifting about your choices and what what you're actually would have opened to if that had not been on your radar? And so then it was a number. The past decade has been a lot about like who else am I and how much that like brought my therapy practice alive not even because of a direct correlation some yes waking up to joy totally shifted a lot of what I was talking about in therapy but mostly like I was just more alive as a human being and that that matters it doesn't matter because I'm you know it doesn't matter if it's because we're a mother or a partner or a therapist that we get to come alive it, it matters because I'm a human being and like I I get to come alive for myself and then it does have positive impact outside. And that's actually a roundabout way of answering how the, the book came about, right? Because out of that journey of writing and then being like, oh, okay, I love books. I've loved them since I was a kid. Like, honestly, it's more like the fantasy dream of like, in a bookstore, my book is there. In a library, my book is there. And like, the, you know, or the joy of being a writer, like all of these silly things of like, you know, um, having like a writer's room and what am I going to wear when I'm writing my book? And like, it was like a child playing. And in that was also the clinician and, and the human being and the work I'd done. All of that came together to like, let me birth a different part of me and also be of service. And I think it was really, really good. It was really good to have something else that was mine and another way to express and kind of like long-term relationship. You know, I've been in a long-term relationship as a therapist and it has ups and downs and it's honeymoon period and then you go away to fall back in love or to sustain the long-term relationship as a therapist that I practice, I had to do what many partners have to do. I have to go and find other parts of me and, you know, like keep that alive in order to keep this thing. Otherwise I think I would have really burnt out, you know? Mm. So, so many different nuggets and places to go with what you share. And I love how you mentioned the aspect of writing the book because from my colleagues and friends that are writing the book and I've thought of it, but I'm like, that sounds like not joyous. That <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the menu right now then. <laughs> but how you mentioned that even like the play and getting dressed to write your book, I would never have thought of that. That sounds so fun. Or even like I went into like, ooh, renting like an Airbnb in the mountains and dressing up and doing this oh yes yeah absolutely that book was written on trains planes on different continents before covid like i was like i'm gonna have a life i'm gonna visit my people i'm gonna travel but i'm also gonna include this and that made it so much more easy you know yeah because it was was actually a pleasure it just kept being like the fantasy life of a writer in a way (laughs) to trick my mind into i mean i am on a train and i'm typing right now but hey we're going to a beautiful new place and I am this writer who does this. So there's lots of playful ways to get through big things. No, it's a beautiful way of seeing it. Like a, it's not a reframe just for a reframe. It's a different way, perspective of, of seeing it and bringing. And also I'm here thinking that aspect, like what you mentioned about like being a therapist is like this long-term relationship and not to burn out how you go and explore other things. I think that is so important. I've been hearing a lot of, 
my colleagues feeling burnout, especially the ones that are working full times and stuff like that. And right now with COVID, it makes completely sense. But this is also a time like that. Like what other avenues and interests can you go so you can get rejuvenated and get back to that sense of aliveness? What got you into this profession? Because many of us come here so hopeful, like we have this gift. I'm going to help all these people. I'm going to change kind of the world starting small. And then you go into the day and day and you're like, whoa, <laughs> this is really hard. And I don't feel alive. I feel at the end of the yeah. day dead. And so I love that idea of going, venturing out, exploring other things. So that way you can come back and feel more rejuvenated. I, yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing that. Like you're naming something really important. And I, I mean, I, yeah, I can really feel every listening. And I just want to say every listening, like last year, probably for like a lot of us, last year was the hardest year in my, you know, about 18 years of being in private practice, like because of just everything that we were going through, especially I think if you were a therapist in the US, but probably other parts of the world as well. There was just so much to hold, right? And it was happening to us. 45 minutes before you enter into session and now I'm holding space for everybody else but I haven't even processed what just happened today politically environmentally right like all of it systemically um, personally so I think this could be and maybe when we do our IG and we talk about questions and stuff I think that it's a really important discussion to also talk about yes aliveness and yes you know doing things and all of that but also practical things that you can do in your practice. And one very practical thing that is hard often to access, which is rest. Like how do you actually switch off? And it's not about doing something more, though that can be very generative, but really to do less, right? And like, for me, just to tell everybody, after that book came out, it came out early this year, immediately I felt the pressure, even before it came out, right? Kind of like maybe like a mama giving birth, right? Well, when's the next baby? Or like, well, when are you going right. to be divorced? Or well, now what? And to really be able to go, the truth is that like, I have given birth to something. And though I, I know there's more, I cannot find in me the next fruit. It is enough to grow in doing podcasts and like speaking, which is an edge, but like to actually realize there was nothing more. Like I, more is coming after nine months have gone by and I'm still not ready. You know, it's like, I know that more will come, but to be able to say no, even when, it's scary. And I feel the scarcity of like, oh, no, but like time will go by and who will want to, you know, you want this or you won't be able to teach this. And it's like, it doesn't matter if my body is telling me back to that sensation, like you said, you, you have to stop now and you have to just restore and do less for a while in whatever way that's possible. Sometimes we can't put certain things down and certain yeah, things yeah. I couldn't put down. But how do we? And if you are a therapist in private practice, I mean, it can be easier in some ways. Like you can design things and, you know, that's a plug for that. It takes something to, to do that too. But wherever you are in an agency, however you're doing it, how do we claim some things back for ourselves? And a lot of the work that I do with clients and in group is about getting that back. And a lot of what the book talks about is cultivating those parts of you that can nurture you, but also protect you to set the boundaries that help you reclaim your aliveness. Mm. Yeah. Great conversation. I'm like, oh my goodness. You I know. And I, I can just have it with someone. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's the title for this podcast, Reclaiming the Aliveness for Therapists or something like that, because yeah. it is, it's, you lose it. And then I've been also meeting with some colleagues that are also caregivers, whether with that's small right. children, elders, or 
and losing parents and That's losing right. loved ones. That's right. And and then we still show up because capitalism and we have to pay <laughs> our homes and exactly. and food and yeah, it is so hard. Oh, I feel like I can go on and on. But as we're looking at the time, let's go into the fire round questions. So this is like finish the sentence. My unique and special gift is presence. I am reclaiming belonging. Love that. I no longer subscribe to someone else's version of what aliveness is. If my ancestors would speak, they would say, Free me. My wish for you, meaning the audience, is to know you're unconditionally loved and to be free. Free to be who you are and to rest. Mm. Anjali, this has been such an amazing episode. I'm here like taking it in, even thinking like right now as we're recording this, I know you'll get it and later. It's in a full moon. So like going oh. outside tonight and just sitting outside and walking in it. And that's the piece that, you know, got me back to just enjoying that without... Even if it's five minutes. Even if it's five minutes. Even, Even if, if it's, it's 30 seconds and you look outside your window wherever you are. Yes. 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 So here oh. we are. What a marvel that we are here looking at this. Oh, yeah. And how many other people are looking at it at the same time? I like to go that in terms of connection as well. Mm -hmm. ah, so as we're approaching, can you let us know where can the audience find more about you and contact you and all the good stuff? Absolutely. Yes. And I know that you'll probably have links and stuff with yes. wherever you're listening to this. Link. Yeah. And yeah. so if you'd like to connect more, which I love, one, the book is available everywhere, though I always encourage if you have a favorite indie bookstore, purchase it there and please do tag me and you can find me on Instagram and show me the pictures of you reading it and what happened. Also, mm -hmm. There are nine free guided meditations that should be linked in either other of these. And those meditations guide you through the voices inside that are going to allow you to connect with that joyous resilience and permission yourself to nurture yourself and to set those boundaries and to go out and look at the moon uh, when it's time. Mm -hmm. And free on my website, just follow the link. And that will also connect you to my newsletter, which will invite you to groups on joyous resilience and working individually together. Yeah. And just, I love to connect. So do write in and share what's touching you from the podcast or the book. And thank mm. you so much, Dr. Lidiana, for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. Yes. Thank you for saying yes for the calling and for sharing this very simple yet super profound, important yeah. lessons that everyone, not only therapists, are everyone. being called to do, especially yeah. right now, especially with the transition that this world is taking to come back into presence, into aliveness, that will help us. So thank you for coming. And for the audience, you all the links are here below. So you can find that. I would definitely say go and get the book and get those meditations. I'll be looking for the meditations as well. I didn't know about the meditations. And I look forward to connect with you down the road in a different way and for um, IG live or something. So, IG live. Yeah. Yes. Bring your questions, everybody. That'll be fun to connect with people there yeah. very soon. Thank you again. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Licensed psychologist. Now what? 
To make sure you don't miss any episode, make sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player and to join our email list via our website. Lastly, I will appreciate if you would rate and review our podcast to help us reach more folks that can benefit from the information provided here. Until next time, bye-bye.